uh, we're in the lectionary and we're at the end of Epiphany and we're going into Lent where uh, Desi and Rose have put together uh, a program for us that we will be thinking about in most of the evenings over Lent but I will hope to follow also in the mornings over Lent. So we're kind of coming out of therefore the lectionary for a number of weeks. But this is a, a wonderful train station between Epiphany and Lent that we're in today, and we'll come to that in a moment and maybe make some sense of it, although Paul has made uh, some wonderful sense out of it already. I want to go back to the week that I've had. And the first thing I want to say was meeting with my clerk of session and deputy clerk of session yesterday for a, f- a few hours, um, and um, uh, we were talking about how we support some of the things that go on outside of Fitzroy or part of Fitzroy. And I want to, first of all, thank um, the entire congregation for allowing me to um, be involved in this festival. We have tried our best, uh, Janice and I both, not to let Fitzroy disappear into um, a Four Corners festival. Um, and we have made some mistakes even this year on that front. But we're thankful for the support that you give us Um, to do this um, festival that I have given up saying I'm the founder of because God's doing far more things than Martin and I ever imagined or dreamed and it's way beyond us at this point. It's an incredible, um, incredible thing. Somebody said to us this week that it's maybe the most uh, edgy and interesting thing happening in our city at this moment in time and um, that's nothing of us. Um, But anyway, the, the week that we've had has been, the one thing that is is just an intensity of listening. From the drama on Monday night, and there was other dramas that I didn't get to, the play on Monday night um, by Kabosh Theatre Company, um, incredible drama of a a police widow going into a Sinn Féin office looking for help, and the humanizing of people when they met personally and the dilemmas of it. Um, I think perhaps the thing that grabbed me most out of that, I always think there's these things that kind of, uh, like dogs at your heel, that lines that, that, that linger with you and uh, you can't let go of. And it was a throwaway thing. Um, the, the police widow was going off for a holiday and she was talking about books and she was saying she doesn't like to read old books because you know where they're going and you know the plot. She likes new books because new books can take you different places and new books can speak into your prejudice. And I thought, do we listen to our prejudice? me? Do I listen when I'm reading a book or when I'm listening to a sermon or when I'm preparing a sermon or when I'm reading the scriptures? Am I reading the scriptures with my prejudices at the forefront of my mind to see how the scriptures or a book or a song or a conversation might speak into my prejudice? And are we doing that as a nation? Are we doing that as political leaders? Allowing a voice into our prejudice. That was Monday. On Wednesday night we had Ricky Ross here. I need to say that again just to convince myself that it actually happened but my favourite singer in the entire world that I followed for 30 years was right here. And not only right here but he was talking about faith as well as singing about faith and sharing his journey of faith which has got a a bit of brethren in it, a whole lot of brethren in it because that's where he grew up. Church of Scotland youth worker in it because that's what he was. His first wife was Reformed Presbyterian from Ballymoney. 
second wife's a Catholic from Guidor, and so he's found Ignatius spirituality, and uh, he's um, finding that as a place of belonging now. But in the midst of all that, what came through was that he couldn't be labelled in any of those ways because the faith that he's found in all those riches of spiritual homes is something about his passion to um, follow Jesus, sing about Jesus, surprised by joy, that song from so far back that I haven't heard him singing in 35 years, but I was able to bully him into it in my own office was quite remarkable. But his desire coming out of that to cross the boundaries, he was part of the Yes campaign, very much a part of the Yes campaign, had to resign from doing the Sunday morning religious program for a few months in BBC Scotland so that he could campaign. And now how he reaches across that division, yeah, not bloody, not violent, but still very divisive in Scotland, to befriend, to have coffee, those on the other side. It was a challenge in a very gentle songwriter way. Friday night, Heather was chairing um, Philip Orr and uh, Tony McCauley, taking us to 174 where that miracle happened, where Protestants dared um, to move into uh, the murder mile in North Belfast to try in some way bring grace and justice and peacemaking to a very difficult part of the city. And as Philip and Tony were reading about Dave Moser bringing his, uh, his Mennonite theology to bear on that, it was a very powerful night of courage and bravery and sadness and loss. We've heard politicians. We've heard a lot of victims. Stephen Travers, the Miami Shoe Band, telling us about that story and the no doubt about it at all collusion of the British um, army and maybe RUC in trying to kill a few musicians. We don't like hearing that on our side of the fence. But that's a reality of the war that we don't like calling a war. And Alan McBride taking us into the very fish shop where his, his wife at 29 years of age was just smiling at people as they came into the shop and telling us he knew that she would have smiled at the IRA bombers that walked in as they left a bomb on the shelf that exploded in her face, really. We've listened to the victims. People after that sharing their stories. Alan asking me, perhaps personally last Sunday night at our church leaders event, do I have to forgive? What does forgiveness look like? We've wept this week. We had a donor's banquet. People who gave a liver or a kidney or a heart to somebody. And you're mingling around and you're saying, why are you here? And somebody says, well, my 19-year-old daughter committed suicide and we gave her organs. It wasn't the only time in the room that we heard a story like that. Or the man who said, my wife... She died giving birth to her fourth child. And now when the children are at school and they say, where's your mother? They say to them, my mother is dead, but five people are still alive because she donated her organs. This was a week of emotion. It was a week of tears, but it was a week of vision. It was a week of 
empathy. It was a week of rehumanizing. It was a week when people came together across those boundaries and sat together and listened to each other and who knows, maybe befriended each other because that's been the history of the festival. But I'm asking this morning, how do I listen to all of that? How do I hear God's voice in the middle of all that? And then I come to this story of transfiguration. Mark chapter 9. The train station between Epiphany and Lent. Where suddenly these disciples are up on that mountain. And something happens to Jesus. And they find that Mark um, is using this event uh, with, with the disciples and Jesus to say things in his editorial to the people that are reading it. This is Moses, the law. This is Elijah, the prophets. This is the uh, tradition that the one transfigured is moving in. And then we get those words again that we hear three times in Mark's gospel about the Son of God. God says it twice at the baptism that we looked at a few weeks ago in chapter 1. But then at the end, uh, in uh, chapter 15 and verse 39, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw that he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Right at the start, right at the end, Mark's claiming the epiphany of who this is. And here, almost in the middle, God says again, this is my son. But the words that struck me in a week that's been that I've been listening was those words that Paul talked about. Listen to him. Listen to him. Moses, the law. Elijah, the prophets. Jesus, listen to him. And we want to listen to him. Now, somewhere during the week, and I have no idea where it was, somebody actually quoted uh, something I'd never heard before. Stravinsky said, Igor Stravinsky said, um, to listen is an effort and just to hear is no merit. To listen is an effort and just to hear is no merit. A duck hears also. Now, I'm not sure what the duck reference means exactly, but I'm kind of suggesting that a duck hears and does very little about that or maybe doesn't understand the intricacies of Stravinsky. But then as I was reading near the end of the week, in one of the commentaries, this was quoted again, and I'm thinking, I must need to tell that to the congregation. And maybe we're all, uh, are we listening? Are we taking the effort to listen? Or are we just hearing? Because even the ducks are hearing. But the listening, that's the key. What do we need to listen to? Well, if we went through Mark, chapter 1 and 2, follow me. Chapter 4, pay attention to what you hear. Chapter 5 and 6, do not be afraid. We've already prayed about that. Only believe. Chapter 6, you give them something to eat. He says to the disciples, you give them something. You you test yourself. In chapter 8, deny and take up your cross and follow me. In chapter 10, but many are first and many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Later on in chapter 10, whoever wishes to be the first among you must be a slave to all. And then... Uh, Another verse, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. We're denying, we're carrying a cross, we're not being afraid, we're following, we're forgiving. And that's only Mark. We have Matthew and Luke and John where we need to listen. God tells us to the words of Jesus. And I wonder as they trudged back to Galilee, that first resurrection Sunday... 
Go back to Galilee and I'll meet you there. Were these things, were they listening? Had they listened? A long way, lots of the ways through the Gospels, we're sensing that they're hearing like ducks, but they're not really listening. Are we hearing like ducks and not really listening? So how do we listen? How do I process the week that's been? And in me trying to process the week that's been, would that give us a few clues as to how we might listen to God in the midst of all the listening we have to do? I threw down a few listenings from the week that was been. There's a social listening that we need to have. A social listening. The conversations that we have with people. I'm always looking around them. I'm always looking underneath them. I'm looking beyond them. I'm looking inside them. Why did they say that? Where are they coming from? Where did they grow up? Where were they shaped? What's their political view? What do they listen to? Are they mathematical? Or are they artistic? How do they see the world? Because we need to be listening beyond hearing. We might hear someone saying something to us. And we need to be social listeners, socially aware of what shapes the statement or where it's coming from. We need to be political listeners to what might be going on around and inside and upside down and all that stuff. What does that mean in that community? How is that going to look in that community? And it's not just about my community. When Mary Lou was here a couple of weeks ago, um, the, the first question, which was the elephant in the room, was commemorations of IRA terrorists and being at those. And, and that was something that our community is asking of her to do, and we need to listen to her as to why politically she feels she needs to do that, why culturally she feels she needs to do that, and most of all that night, why personally she feels she needs to do that. To stand with a member of her community who lost her son in a tragedy as a result of the conflict is not something that's cool. But whether we agree with it or not, or whether we understand it or not, we've got to listen politically. And while we're doing that social and political listening, our hearts are listening. Our emotions are listening. We respond with our emotions. It's our emotions are the first thing that listens and we want to respond because of that emotion. But our souls are listening too and we need the spiritual listening. And then our head starts to listen and we start to try and unpack that and bring that all together. And then we need to come to listen to him. All of that is mingling around and God says listen to him. Because something transcends the social listening, the political listening, the emotional listening, the spiritual listening, the cerebral listening, the academic listening. And that is that God can transcend it and untangle it and unpack it and speak some truth into our prejudices. And that's where scripture comes in and how we listen to scripture. And I would suggest that probably we're where we are in this conflict and we are where we are in this country because we've probably listened to it incredibly badly. But that's not for this morning. But we need to be aware of how to listen to it properly and how to bring it into its context and how to know where the contexts are. And how to hear what the whole counsel of God is. Not just a lonely verse that we learned in Sunday school that was plucked out of the entire context. We need to listen well. And we need to listen to the point where it becomes something that's part of our listening in an instant. Way back in time, way back in time, I think I told you this story that happened way back in time before that. I was uh, on a, it was the days before messaging or Twitter or all those things and we were having email forums because they were really trendy and you were able to talk to each other on an email forum. And somebody just said in this forum one day, 
oh, they said, I left my Bible on the washing machine when I came in through the garage on Sunday and I haven't read it all week. And I have to say my initial reaction was, you're lucky. You're lucky. Because I can't leave the Bible on a washing machine. Because it spins around my head in everything I do. At the drama on Monday night, at Ricky Ross right here, while I was sitting behind there thinking, what would the next song be? As I listened to our political leaders, as I listened to Alan McBride, as I listened to the donors in the banquet, as I listened to the church leaders, every time I heard somebody say something, the Bible was flicking its way across my brain. And stopping at verses, or stopping at passages, or stopping at truths. Because the Bible for me is not something I open. Though I do. It's something that's long past having the privilege of leaving on a washing machine. It inhabits me. It speaks into my prejudice. Because like it says in Colossians 3 and 16... And the version I knew was, let the word of God dwell in you richly. But the New International Version update has, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. If we're going to be able to listen to Jesus, if we're going to be able to listen to the scriptures transcending and infusing all the other listening we're doing, then we need to get to a point in our lives where the scriptures are so much a part of us that you can't leave it on the shelf. Because actually in the end, we don't read it. It reads us. Somebody described it as Rory McElroy. Well, they didn't because it was probably in the days of Jack Nicholas. That that golf club... In Rory McElroy's hand, as an extension of who he is, it's so part of him because it's been indwelling him since he was a two-year-old or a one-and-a-half-year-old kid when his dad first gave him it, that it becomes a part of who he is. If we are going to hear God, if we're going to listen to God as we listen to all the other voices that we need to hear, then we need to so know the word of God from Genesis right through to Revelation. What the story of that is, what God's story with his people is, all the things that happen that will educate us as to how to live our lives in a broken world so that when we hear somebody speak, even me on a Sunday morning, our scriptures are going through because it dwells in us richly and we will hear Jesus in the midst of all the other voices we hear. We need intentionality in our listening we need to listen more than hear we definitely need to listen more than talk we need to listen Father Martin says at the festival we need keynote listeners more than we need keynote speakers my P2 teacher said I talked so much that I would end up a preacher But maybe I need to hear her saying you talk so much that you need to listen. Listen to him. Because the transfiguration was not 
stopping. It was something starting that heads us into Lent towards the cross. And we really need to be listening as we head towards that cross and that resurrection and what is beyond it. Listen to him.